0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia.
1: Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. And today we get to do one of my favorite kinds of interviews where we talk to someone who's been in the industry essentially your whole life. um, And we really get to learn uh, from the lessons and the life that you've lived. Um, So with me today is Stratus Morphigan, who um, he has a a new book out, uh, which is called uh, Be a Disruptor, Streetwise Lessons for Entrepreneurs from Mobs to Mandates, really great title. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about um, hospitality and um, and and the big disruptor, I guess, of hospitality over the past few years is the pandemic. Um, so welcome, Stratus. And um, I guess just tell me a little bit, like, some of the bullet points of your hospitality career. Um, I know you were, you were born into this pretty much. Um, but, you know, just um, fill us in a little bit about some of the, the highlights.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm third-generation tour. My grandfather and his brothers the first-week restaurant to New York. Uh, in 1910, uh, my father, after World War II, came as a, as an 11-year-old, um, worked his way through a Pappas restaurant, uh, opened his restaurants called the Chelsea Chop Houses, and my father had a pretty distinguished career from 1956 to 2005. Uh, he was a spokesperson for American Express when there were no spokespeople in the hospitality industry, especially with a large Greek accent. Um, he owned up to 14 restaurants. And um, you know, I grew up in the business. I mean, I always tell everyone that from the age of around six years old to 17 when was my prom in high school, I worked every weekend and my father finally gave me a weekend off for my prom. <laughs> but a- a- every weekend uh, I was in the restaurant and as I got older, like 14, 15 and 16, when I was a more of like a server and a bartender, I-, I would go up to school five days a week Glad and work.
1: And, you know, growing up, in this area, we all you know, are very familiar with Greek diners and they're all about hospitality. You can walk in at any time of day and pretty much get anything that you want. Um, so what do you feel are some of the lessons that you learned from having that Greek hospitality background?
0: I mean, the customer first. I mean, uh, my parents would be, you know, always. my father would always tell me that people have to pass a hundred doors before they come to yours. Like my father was very hospital, hospital, hospitable, very, very consumer, customer driven. And he created this whole brand by, you know, John Fogan of Chelsea House, John Fogan, of Hilltop Diner and all the other restaurants he had. Everything was about the customer. And I, and I grew up with that. And um, that's how Philippe Chow was created when I opened Philippe in 2005. I hated the guest experience of Mr. Chow. I took the chef and made him my partner. And it became like a historic event because it's, you know, I grew it to the, probably the highest gracing restaurant in New York, all because we took pretty much almost the same food that I what when I was cooking for 25 years, but I made it very hospitable. You know, yeah. people felt good when they came into the restaurant. We didn't take advantage of people because we were six months booked in advance. Everybody was special for us.
1: So what was it about the guest experience that you didn't like that you felt needed to change? Oh,
0: my God they would actually tell you to leave if you asked for a menu. Uh, they wouldn't give you an itemized bill. Uh, you, couldn't have, you couldn't even go sit at the bar. Um, extremely rude staff. They were nice to me because my wife was the editor of Vogue. And when I would walk in, there would be with like David Bowie, Mick Jagger, Anna Wintour, and I will tell you that um, I was treated well. But there was a couple of times when I didn't go with the Vogue girls, I was treated like crap. And that's when the one day I got so fed up with Brian the maitre d, I gave the business card to the busboy and I said, give this to the chef. I have an opportunity. And I had no interest in actually doing a restaurant.
1: Wow. So why did you decide to write a book now? Because, you
0: know, looking back at my life, I always just thought I was stubborn and hard-headed. But, you know, there's a new term for that. The new term is disruption. You know, I've, everything I've done from Gotham Diner to Kali Chow to Brooklyn Chop House, to Brooklyn Dumpling Shop, to my upcoming Pappas Taverna, I've always done it against the status quo. I've never done anything that's, that people are going to be familiar with. And I've done that throughout my whole career. And I started realizing that as I was speaking with my editor at uh, Skyhorse Publishing, everything I've done from like the age of six on, I've always tried to come up with my version of whatever the, the focus was at the time. And, and again, I thought it was just being stubborn and hard-headed, but you know, everything that I've done, especially in my 35-year career, It's never been the status quo. Three-star New York Times uh, chef and and a Greek diner. A three-star New York Times chef, a Gotham diner. Um, You know, Brooklyn Dumpling Shop, 100% automated. Pappas will be the first wood-burning Greek restaurant that will actually pour out $4,000 bottles of wine by the glass. You You know, just everything I do, I've disrupted everything. And then when it came to COVID and what was going on, we did pretty well during covid i did the two biggest deals in times square and Greenwich village for brooklyn chop palace and papis and i will tell you um you know when everybody was running away from the burning fire you know the burning building in spring of 2020 i was doing 25,000 square foot deals in may 2020 and september 2020. i've never been afraid i've never been afraid to fail and it's always been to me like you know what you know, when everybody else is running, I, I, I prefer just run right into it, jump into it. And during COVID, I had, I had so many debates with our mayor and our governor, and I thought they were the most destructive things that ever happened to New York City, including Bin Laden. And I made that very clear about my position.
1: Right. And now now where we are, particularly, you know, in New York City, um, you know, where a lot of restaurants have suffered and closed. And didn't get funding, and, and doesn't look like, and there's any forthcoming funding from the federal government at this point. Um, you know, where where do you see the dining experience in New York City moving forward? How can it move forward?
0: Well, you know, unfortunately, hospitality has always been late to the technology game. And I, as I was jumping up in '96 and '97, saying that this internet thing is real and take it seriously and stop using it for a business card and the location finder. And these are companies that have 25 and 100 restaurants. I'm saying it now with the metaverse and, and NFTs. We're going to launch the first NFT private dining cellar in the Brooklyn Chop House in Times Square in July. We're already getting tremendous amount of um, attention uh, for people that want to purchase uh, memberships. Um, but with that said, um, I think we shook out a lot of people that shouldn't have been in the industry. And then there's a lot of learning lessons here because when COVID hit, A lot of big restaurateurs were caught with their pants down. They didn't even have an ordering platform on their website. They didn't take social media serious. We did. We've always taken that stuff serious. Since I brought Fulton Fish Market on the internet in 1997, social media, the internet was a very serious game for me. And I took it extremely, it was extremely as a top priority in running our operations. Well, when COVID hit, a lot of these restaurateurs who didn't take it serious, well, they had to scramble had to run and do a, a takeout platform, a to-go platform. We were already there, and so what we did is we focused our our experience and our time on, on giving back to the healthcare workers. You know, we gave it back eighty-four hundred meals to nineteen hospitals from March twenty twenty to June twenty twenty. While my staff could have easily went on unemployment, they decided to stay on, and we all together we fed healthcare heroes because these are the people that were keeping us alive. You know, and then you fast forward. Governor Hochul says, hey, you know what? If you don't get your third vaccine, I need to fire you. And I told Governor Hochul, and I said it in the New York Post, and I said it all over the media, from Fox to Tucker to, to NBC to ABC. I said, you know what? Governor Hochul, I'm not going to follow your mandate. And if you want to arrest me, pick a, a, a date and time, and I'll be there where you could, put the, you could have your guys put the cuffs on me and arrest me. Because then I grabbed my, my one of my guys, Alex. I said, Alex has been with me 17 years he helped me feed all the healthcare workers that were keeping us safe. Now Alex has one shot, one vaccine. Alex just got covid and he came back after 2 weeks of recovery. You want his doctor said he shouldn't get the second vaccine because he's got natural antibodies. So you want me to fire him for 6 months? Hell no. Hell no. I would take this straight to the Supreme Court and I have the way, and I have the means to do it. I will take this straight to the Supreme Court. And then what was great is literally a week later, the Supreme Court voted in my favor that this is unconstitutional and you can't fire people for not getting a vaccine. Medicine is not one size that fits all. And that's the problem with politicians. They've never run a lemonade stand. They don't know how to run small business. And now they've become doctors and experts in viruses. If you ask any epidemiologist who has stuff written, every epidemiologist would say to you, You know what? You cannot hide from the virus. You cannot hide from the virus. You have to be exposed to it, and you can't lock down an economy.